Father, thank you for our time together tonight. Um, thank you that you've given us your word and that we have uh, a great sacrifice uh, in Christ. Pray, Lord, that you would um, work through my words uh, to build up your people and to uh, encourage their hearts. Please grow us in our knowledge of you and I pray that you would be honoured as we uh, meet together. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let me read out uh, Leviticus chapter 1. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. You are to slaughter the young bull before the Lord and then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron the priest are to put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons the priests shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If the offering is a burnt offering from the flock, from either the sheep or the goats, you are to offer a male without defect. You are to slaughter it at the north side of the altar before the Lord, and Aaron's sons the priests shall splash its blood against the sides of the altar. You are to cut it into pieces, and the priest shall arrange them, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to bring all of them and burn them on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If the offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, you are to offer a dove or a young pigeon. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off the head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He is to remove the crop and the feathers and throw them down east of the altar where the ashes are. He shall tear it open by the wings, not dividing it completely, and then the priest shall burn it on the wood that is burning on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Right, that's Leviticus chapter 1. So, uh, what we're going to do uh, this evening is uh, we're going to look at um, these sacrifices at the beginning of the book of Leviticus. So what we just read was, uh, you'll see in your Bible... Uh, that there's a little heading there, the burnt offering, right at the top, at the beginning. 
And then you'll see at the beginning of, at the top of chapter 2, you'll see there the grain offering. And so chapter 2, right down to the next heading at the beginning of chapter 3, explains the grain offering. So what we just had, what we just listened to, was the explanation for how to offer the burnt offering. That's one. Then there's the grain offering, that's chapter 2. Then there's the fellowship offering, you can see, that's chapter 3. Then the sin offering, that's chapter 4. Then if you turn over, in chapter 5 you'll see there the guilt offering. Can you see that? That's five different types of offering. Then in chapter 6, the headings are very helpful for us, for our purposes. Uh, you'll see again that it's the same five offerings. Uh, you see them again. So the burnt offering. And what we read in chapter 6 is, is um, from chapter 6 uh, onwards there, is the, the, uh, the description of how the priests are to offer these up. So this was the description of what the person should do who brings the offering. And then chapter 6 uh, shows us what the, uh, the priest's um, activity, what, how he's involved in that. So you have there again the burnt offering, one, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, and the fellowship offering, uh, which can also be called the peace offering in other translations. Uh, so that takes us to uh, the chapter 7. So that's seven chapters explaining five different types of offering that the Israelites could bring to the Lord. Now, what uh, is going on with these sacrifices? Uh, you might like to, uh, you might be thinking to yourself. Uh, well, and how can we understand what's going on? Um, I think there is a way to help us get a better understanding of what the sacrifices mean uh, when we look at um, what is distinct about each sacrifice. That's a way to understand some of the meaning behind the sacrifice. Um, and the, these five sacrifices can be broken down into three different groups, three different types of sacrifices. The first is the uh, burnt offering, which goes with the grain offering. Uh, let me just show you uh, a, a, an example of how that's the case. So look with me in chapter 14, verse 20. If you just flick forward a few pages. So chapter 14, verse 20 says, uh, Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering. Sorry, uh, verse 19. Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from their uncleanness. After that, the priest shall slaughter, you see here, the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering. You see? And then look in verse 31, we have the same uh, type of language. Uh, one, so you have two pigeons. One is to be offered as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering together with the grain offering. And that's just uh, two, two little spots as an example uh, that that recurs uh, through Leviticus. The burnt offering has with it a grain offering. 
Um, so some, some portion of grain with some oil and incense on it is offered with the burnt offering. So those two go together. So now we have four different types of offering. And then there's two other sacrifices that go together. And they are the sin offering and the guilt offering. And uh, how do I know that? So if you flick back to chapter 4, at the beginning of the sin offering, you'll see that uh, it says at the, in verse, uh, uh, verse 2, say to the Israelites, make note of this, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, and then he moves into, uh, uh, it's a long, he moves through the Israelite community, starting with the priests, down to the leaders, uh, down to, um, sorry, the, starting with the priests, then the whole community, then the leaders, etc. But the key thing to note here is that this sacrifice happens after there is a sin. You see? It happens after there is a sin. And likewise, if you flip over the page, you'll see in chapter 5 uh, that the guilt offering likewise happens after there is a sin. So the Lord said to Moses, this is uh, verse 14 of chapter 5, the Lord said to Moses, when anyone is unfaithful to the Lord by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, they are to bring to the Lord as a penalty a ram from the flock, one without defect and of the proper value in silver according to the sanctuary shekel. It is a guilt offering. You see that? So what we have here, I know we're working a little bit harder tonight, is the five sacrifices uh, turned into three groups because the grain offering uh, goes with the burnt offering. Then we have the fellowship or the peace offering. And then we have two different types of offering that are in response to sins. See that? They're the three different types of offering. Now, with those three groups in mind, I'm not going to spend. We're not going to spend time on the grain offering, but we'll we'll think about together for the rest of our time uh, the burnt offering, the peace offering, and the sin and guilt offerings, and what significance they might have in the whole system that um, the Lord gave to the Israelites for how they were to approach Him. Uh, we'll start with the burnt offering. The distinct feature about the burnt offering, uh, so, uh, sorry, before I highlight the distinct feature, all of the sacrifices will have, uh, include the features of the animal needing to be without defect. Uh, all of these sacrifices will involve leaning on the animal to identify yourself with the animal. Uh, all of the sacrifices involve killing the animal, um, and all of the sacrifices involve uh, some element of the animal being burnt on the altar. Um, and there may be a couple of other bits in there, but they're kind of some of the main features of all of the sacrifices. All of them, you do that, um, uh, do those with them as you bring them. Uh, but the burnt offering, the unique feature about it is that that's the only sacrifice that is entirely burnt upon the altar. And uh, so... Uh, and so we read in, you'll see that in chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. It says here, Then uh, Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, 
on the wood that is burning on the altar. Uh, you are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. You see that? The whole thing goes on the altar. And I think why the internal organs are washed and the back legs are washed is because it's probably the case that the burnt offering uh, symbolises uh, a whole life completely devoted to the Lord. Uh, and completely, but it's a pure and blameless and clean life, wholly devoted to the Lord. Uh, hence, the internal organs um, and back legs would be the place where um, any feces would go, would, would have been. So if it's the internal organs and, and it's the bowels that need to be uh, uh, thought of to be washed, uh, the idea is that it's a completely clean thing. Nothing unclean goes upon the altar and the whole thing is burnt up. So that's the, that's the burnt offering. Uh, and what might the uh, burnt offering then uh, communicate? Um, I think it probably communicates uh, the idea that the Israelites are to, because the Lord is teaching them uh, how they are to approach him and what it means to be in relationship uh, with him. As uh, we looked last week at the kind of context of Leviticus was that the Israelites had uh, been uh, delivered from Egypt. They had come to Mount Sinai. They had built the tabernacle. The Lord had come to dwell in the tabernacle. And now the Lord was turning this place where he was dwelling into a place where uh, a place of meeting. It was becoming a tent of meeting, uh, not just a dwelling place. And the Lord was teaching the Israelites how they were to draw near to him and what it would look like to be in relationship with him as a holy people. And, um, and so this burnt offering likely communicates that idea of wholehearted, total devotion to the Lord, and that's what he requires. A blameless, a blameless life, wholly devoted to him. <clears throat> Secondly, let's uh, look then at the uh, sin and guilt uh, offerings. So what's unique about the sin and the guilt offerings is that they both uh, involve, uh, sorry, uh, let's look at them separately but the, you can think of them as a category of, um, of repair. Uh, that's how they kind of go together. They repair the relationship uh, between the worshipper and the Lord. Um, and and uh, let's look at the sin offering first and what's distinct about that. Uh, the distinction for the sin offering is that the blood is brought into the uh, holy place. Uh, or it is placed on the horns of the altar. But generally, it is, for the sin offering, you do more with blood. That's a kind of way to, uh, a wooden way to think about it. And let's have a look at an example of that. In chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, uh, you see here, it says, Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. This is if a priest sins. Uh, he is to dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. So he's gone right into, uh, into the actual tabernacle, not just in the courtyard. He's gone right into the tabernacle, but not into the most holy place. Uh, and before the curtain, he sprinkles some of the blood seven times. And the priest shall put some of the blood uh, on the horns of the altar. There was not also an altar here that had fragrant incense on it. 
and the priest would get some, uh, some of the blood and put it on the horns of that altar as well. Uh, that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. Uh, and then you see the rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. That's the main altar outside of the tent, but in the courtyard, uh, at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So that's where you see uh, an example of um, the, sin, uh, one, the unique feature about the sin offering is that the blood uh, is splashed around, basically. And what this uh, signifies, uh, it, we have to, in order to understand how this uh, makes or re, uh, repairs the relationship, uh, we need to flip over to chapter um, 17. <laughs> it's quite a bit of work, I, I understand. We are, um, Leviticus uh, demands a little bit from us. Um, is that we have to uh, see something about blood itself. So in chapter 17, verse 11, um, look what it says there about blood. He says, now he's talking about not eating blood, right? He's telling them not to eat the blood. And he gives them this reason. Don't eat the blood because the life of a creature, the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it, that is the blood, to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. You see that? For the life of a creature is in the blood. And so uh, I think the way the symbolism works is that what you have is you've got this blameless animal being presented to the priest and therefore you've got this blameless blood being shed and you've got before you, uh, as it were, blameless life. And this blameless life is taken and put on the horns of the altar. Uh, this is for the priest, because if the priest um, sins, everything gets dirty. The high priest, everything gets dirty. So the priest goes and he has to go back and, and, and symbolically clean the tabernacle again uh, and go and clean the altar again. And so you see what he's doing is he's taking the, um, taking the blameless life, the blameless blood, and washing the things uh, clean. He's turning them from uh, a place of uncleanness or death to a place of cleanness or life. Um, and so that's what's happening with the blood for a sin offering. And I think what this communicates to us is, and to the Israelites would have communicated, uh, is that sin is uncleanness. It makes things uh, dirty um, and that it needs to be uh, cleansed and it needs blameless blood uh, to cleanse it. It also communicates, I think, that um, uh, as God's way of ordaining that uh, the power of, um, of, of blameless blood for, for cleansing things. And so uh, this, uh, this, this animal is sacrificed and this blood is shed uh, in order that this the particular Israelite or the high priest uh, might be cleansed from their sin uh, by having this 
uh, blameless blood or blameless life wash them clean. So that is the, the sin offering. Uh, and then there's the guilt offering. And the unique thing about the guilt offering is that uh, the guilt offering has as its um, distinctive feature uh, the idea of adding, uh, it's a kind of recompense or um, a payment idea. So there is, uh, you have to add a fifth of the value of the animal in, in silver to the offering when you give it. So let's just have a look at that. That's in um, chapter 5, uh, and it is the... Um, uh, verse 16 says here, they must make restitution for what they have failed to do. This is after explaining, you know, he's got to bring this animal, this ram as a guilt offering. They must make restitution for what they have failed to do in regard to the holy things. Uh, pay an additional penalty. See that? That's the unique thing. Pay an additional penalty of a fifth of its value and give it all to the priest. The priest will make atonement for them with the ram as a guilt offering and they will be forgiven. So for this one, uh, again, it is uh, a sacrifice that's given after somebody has sinned. And the unique thing about this offering is that you're required to add a fifth of the value of the animal to the sacrifice and give it to the priest together with your, your blameless animal. Um, and that would, that would um, achieve atonement. Now... What might that have communicated to the Israelites? Uh, I think that, that probably communicated something of the cost and the damage uh, of sin. So sin damages the relationship uh, with the Lord and requires repair, and it's a costly repair. Um, and it also communicates uh, that's, that uh, the idea of a ransom, uh, that something needs to be paid uh, in the place of the sinner. So that's the guilt offering. So just to recap, we've had the grain, the burnt offering, which is a whole, the whole animal burnt up. Then we've had uh, the sin and the guilt offering. These are um, given after a sin has happened or if someone has been made unclean by uh, touching something that is uh, ritually unclean and they need to be brought back into the sphere of cleanliness uh, and then we have the fellowship or peace offering and the fellowship or peace offering can be seen uh, in chapter th um, sorry the, the place to see uh, the unique feature in, of, the, of the fellowship offering is in chapter 7 And verse 15, it says there, the meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. So this was the one sacrifice that the Israelites brought, uh, offered to the Lord, which, um, which the person who offered it was allowed to eat. Uh, that's the... Uh, key thing. The priests were allowed to eat parts of the sin offering, uh, but the worshipper themselves were not. This sacrifice was one 
that you uh, were able to, the, the worshipper themselves, was supposed to eat the meat of this sacrifice. Now, so that's the, uh, oh, sorry, and I think that the, what this fellowship or peace offering communicates is that um, it communicates the idea of relationship. You are in fellowship with the Lord and you are sitting down and you are having a meal with him as it were. And so uh, stepping back then uh, to think about these three different groups of sacrifices, you might think of it in terms of um, as a movement as it were. And so a typical order uh, is found in chapter 9, and then uh, we'll see what we can learn from that order uh, as we look at it. So it is in uh, verse 22, chapter 9, verse 22, and it says this. Then Aaron, so what's happened, sorry, uh, in chapter 9, verse 22, what's happened is, right, so notice we're in chapter 9, What's just happened is we've been given all the sacrifices in chapters 1 to 7 and how the priests should offer them. Then in chapters 8 and 9, we've had the priests come in and they've been consecrated and they've done their thing. And then Aaron has offered up the sacrifices. And this is a, this is a little summary explaining what, what happened. And this is what it says in verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed, note this, the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. So just a couple of things to note there. Can you see that guilt offering is not mentioned, and grain offering is not mentioned, but this is, uh, I think that that's because this is a way, I think the guilt offering actually can be subsumed under the sin offering, because it's, it's still for, for, for sin, it's just another dimension of sin, teaching us another element of sin. Um, but can you see those three categories? And you can think of it as a movement for the people of Israel uh, in their relationship with God. So now we can come to a little bit of the payoff from uh, our, our little quick study together. And that is that the sin offering takes the Israelites from a place of uncleanness or death, uh, a place where uh, they are um, in danger of dying in their uncleanness with the Holy God in their presence. And the sin offering repairs the relationship, as it were, brings them to a place, it, it, it atones for them, brings them to a place of cleanness. <coughs> then the burnt offering is offered and in a way, it is uh, like, like uh, symbolizing the offering up of the whole worshipper's life. So when you move from a place of uncleanness and, and as it were, outside of relationship with God, you move into that relationship. The burnt offering symbolizes the whole life sacrificed upon the altar, devoted to God, fully given to him in wholehearted commitment. And then the fellowship offering comes and is perhaps the sweetest offering of them all, uh, which then comes and in a way reveals the goal of the whole system is that um, you sit down and you eat the meal. Uh, you are at peace with the Lord and you are eating a meal with him. And so can you see that movement from uncleanness 
uh, through to wholehearted uh, life given over to the Lord, belonging to him, and then sitting down to eat this meal and have fellowship with the Lord. And that, I think, is what the Lord has um, gave to the Israelites here at the beginning of Leviticus. Uh, he gave them these um, sacrifices uh, to, uh, as a teaching mechanism uh, and uh, to teach them about their own sin, to teach them about the kind of thing that he requires of his people and to remind them constantly of the goal of their, uh, of their worship and of their sacrifices, uh, which is that fellowship, that communion, dining with uh, the Lord. And uh, so uh, just a couple of things to note as we, as we come, to, uh, come to the end of our time together. Um, one is uh, simply that these sacrifices were given by the Lord. Um, it wasn't something that the Israelites uh, thought to themselves, here's a good idea. And so we can see the grace of our God um, in giving the Israelites uh, this way to approach him and by giving them these sacrifices in a way that would teach them more about the nature of sin, its costliness, the way that it makes us unclean and pollutes us, um, about the goal of our relationship and about what he really requires is the whole uh, of our lives. Uh, what he wants of us is he wants all of us wholly devoted um, we can also learn uh, through these sacrifices, uh, particularly, uh, for example, through the blamelessness um, of the sacrifices, that <clears throat> uh, the way to approach the Lord, uh, and I think this is probably where uh, the movement towards Jesus uh, is, we can start to hear the, the whisper of Jesus in the future is that the way to God was actually through this blameless uh, sacrifice. Uh, you were actually approaching God um, uh, vicariously through this other uh, thing. Um, it, as you, you presented it blameless, uh, you leaned upon it and, as it were, identified yourself with the animal. So it was almost like uh, this animal was, um, was going to be you. Um, and then what happened was the animal uh, was killed uh, and it died and, and you lived. Um, and the animal itself, um, what, as it were, in every sacrifice, a, a portion was placed upon the altar <coughs> And so the sacrifice itself, as it were, ascends up to the Lord and you are kind of living through this animal. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, you think, gosh, it's all a bit strange. But when we uh, move forward to Jesus, we see that we've got a similar movement um, that, um, the, you know, the sinlessness of the Lord uh, we see has uh, significance here as... He is the only one who can approach um, approach the Lord. He rightfully has devoted his whole life um, to him and is blameless, and that is what the Lord requires. 
and, we, and he becomes sin for us. Uh, we identify with him uh, only because he identified with us. Uh, and he uh, is killed um, instead of us. And we, as it were now, uh, as we trust in him, uh, we are approaching the Lord. We are ac- gaining access back to the Lord uh, through this blameless substitute uh, that is the Lord who is offered up um, in our place. Um, and so that, and, and, and that takes us right to uh, you know, a significant part of why uh, the Lord gave these sacrifices was to, uh, it was providing, uh, it was temporarily cleansing these uh, Israelites uh, externally for a season that they were with him, uh, living uh, in the land, uh, but ultimately they were pointing forward to uh, the Lord Jesus who would be our blameless sacrifice uh, through whom we can approach a holy God uh, and have our sins atoned for and be cleansed uh, in a uh, not just in an external way, but thoroughly um, for our sins. And so, as I close, I'm just going to read a couple of uh, verses from the New Testament where we see some of this language being used and applied to Jesus. Um, and you can uh, think forward during the week about how um, the Lord has made a way for us to approach him. Uh, but before I do that, uh, there's just one other thing that has, um, I guess, been enriched for myself. Um, we're not going to do communion tonight, but perhaps next time you are having communion, thinking through that meal that we eat together, um, perhaps we ought to be having in mind that fellowship offering, uh, that moment of that the meal that we eat together is, it's not just a remembering what... Uh, Jesus did in the past, that his body was broken and his blood was shed for us. It is that. Uh, And even we hear that some will say uh, that it's pointing forward to the banquet that is to come. You see, the meal uh, of eternal um, joy in heaven. Uh, But what stuck out to me in this study was that uh, it's even now the meal that we eat to remind us of the communion that we presently have uh, with the Lord. That we are, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are able to uh, have that fellowship with the Lord. And, um, yeah, it's not easy to grasp the significance of how important that is. You know, as we read through Leviticus, we find we are dealing with a holy God. And it is, um, it's an amazing thing that he came down and uh, made a way for us to have a communion with him, with him. But that moment for the Israelites and for us... Uh, is extraordinary that the meal that we eat at communion could symbolise that we are able to sit at the table with the Lord uh, and dine with Him uh, as a as we were meant to uh, in the beginning. So let me just read a couple of verses here. This is I'll read one from uh, one John uh, chapter one verse seven. And it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin, makes us clean. Or in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. A sacrifice that makes us clean and delivers us from the realm of death. Or 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, sorry, chapter 1 verse 2 says, To God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and get this, and sprinkled with his blood. And you see that, that Peter there is, in, he's got in the background there, that blood that makes you clean. That priceless blood, that precious, perfect, blameless blood, uh, which is that blameless life which makes us clean. Let me pray, and then Paddy will uh, lead us in a couple of songs together in response to God. Father, thank you for uh, your word to us. Thank you for teaching us uh, about yourself, about ourselves, uh, for um, growing us in our knowledge of uh, sacrifices, um, of the way that sin damages relationship and costs uh, of the way that sin makes us unclean, uh, of the goal of uh, fellowship with you and that's what you desire. Thank you for uh, teaching us about these things, uh, but most of all, thank you that uh, we're not just left in the dark then, uh, left lurching, uh, but that you have given us Jesus, uh, that blameless, perfect sacrifice uh, through whom we can approach you. Pray that you would strengthen us for the week ahead, that you would fill us with your spirit, and that you might grow us in the knowledge of yourself, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.